Well, welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Greg, and I am so glad that you are listening right now. Listen, man, life is hard, but we are here to help you. And so I hope you enjoyed today's message. And man, our, our, our real prayer and our real hope is that, that the message today will help you take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. What is your greatest disappointment? I mean, if we were to go sit at a local coffee shop and we get to the chit-chat, like, how's the weather, the traffic's terrible, but we were able to have a real conversation. I mean, you were able to open your heart and, and assuming trust. Like, what, what is your greatest disappointment? I mean, what would you say? What is your, your lowest point? And for many of us, this, this is a source of pain, or, or maybe it's a source of shame, or, or maybe even embarrassment. In July 2009, which is 12 years ago now, but it feels like yesterday, my wife Whitney and I were pregnant with our first child. And we were ecstatic, and life was grand. We were 19 weeks in, and we were scheduled to have a, a sonogram to reveal the gender of the baby, and I desperately wanted a little boy. We arrived at the doctor's office that morning, bouncing with joy. It's a day I'll never forget. They put Whitney in the chair, and the sonogram tech goes to work looking at images of the baby. And after a couple minutes, she says, excuse me, I'll be right back. The next thing we know, the doctor is in her room, and the first words out of her mouth are, I am so sorry. There's no heartbeat. And she went on to console us and give us instructions, but I don't remember anything she said. Within the hour, we rushed to a specialist and were given hospital orders and delivered our baby two days later. I wrote a letter uh, that day to friends and family. It was dated July the 29th, 2009, and here's what I wrote. Yesterday was one of the hardest days of our lives. With much excitement and anticipation, we went to our scheduled 10 a.m. sonogram to learn the gender of our precious baby. It's with a sad heart that Whitney and I inform you that our little baby went home to be with our God. We were 19 weeks pregnant when we received the terrible news. Great joy turned into great pain in the blink of an eye. Our plans and dreams for our precious baby joining us in December have been shattered We are heartbroken, but not without hope. You know, we don't have many answers, but our faith is strong. I wrote the next few days will be difficult ones at our home. Our parents will arrive today, and we'll deliver our precious baby tomorrow at the hospital. It will be a joyful and healthy process, process, but full of pain and sorrow. You know, Romans chapter 12, 15 tells us, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Thank you for weeping with us in this terrible, terrible time. We're surrounded by friends and family. We will continue to lean into them for support, strength, and encouragement. We covet your prayers and thank God for the community we share with each one of you. That was not the plan. 
I mean, that was not the story we had written. That's not how it was supposed to go. It's not what I had hoped. It's not what we had hoped. I mean, where have your hopes been crushed? Where have your hopes been destroyed? I mean, some of you are single, but you don't want to be single. And you're like, are there any good people out there? For some of you, you, you or your loved one, your health is not good and you're battling a sickness and a medical condition. And the running tests, we're waiting for test results. I know many of you, you're battling an addiction and it just feels like you're losing. And just when you think you're close to a breakthrough, the, you go right back into the cycle. Same struggle over and over and over again. Your business is not going as planned. Your job is not what you had hoped. Your marriage your family. It's just not what it's supposed to be. This is not the story you had written. This is not what you had hoped. This is not how it's supposed to go. Where's the hope? I mean, what is it that you, what do you cling to? What is it that you, that you hold on to? I mean, what, what do you do? do you, I mean, do you walk away? Do you just walk out? Do you give up? Or do you, are you trying to kind of take the edge off somehow and self-medicate? I mean, what happens to many of us in these times is that we become angry or we become disillusioned or disappointed, discouraged, downcast. I had hope. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not my plan. I want to look today for a few minutes at a, at a story and it's recorded by a, a doctor. He was actually a Greek medical doctor by the name of Luke from Eyewitness Accounts. And, and, and maybe sometimes we're, we're just too far removed or, or maybe too familiar with the, with the stories. But, but these first followers of Jesus in, in the first century, it was painful. It was emotional. It was hard. I mean, I mean think about this for a second. These men and women had given up everything. They had dropped everything to follow Jesus. And they had been following him from years, and they had seen some amazing things, and they'd heard some powerful teachings. And these, these women and men were all in. I mean, they were, it was, I mean, they were all in their heart, their soul, their, their mind, their body. They're all in. And then one day, Jesus is arrested. There's this fake trial. It's not, it's not fair. He's accused, and on a Friday, Jesus is brutally crucified on a Roman cross, and he's dead. And on that Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. He's, he's dead, and he's buried. And i got to imagine that Saturday felt a lot like COVID's felt, like months feel like a year. Just time just felt off. Now, Sunday morning, which we now call Easter or we call Resurrection Sunday. But that day, that first, first Sunday, it, it wasn't like that. In fact, Luke records this eyewitness account with these two guys, and, and he, these guy, I can just see these guys telling him the story. And here's the story they tell from Luke 24. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, okay, again, this is Sunday. Crucifixion, dead Sunday. Verse 14, Luke says, they're, they're talking with each other about everything that had happened. I mean, this is so unreal. This is so bizarre. What is going on? 
And verse 15 says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they, they were kept from recognizing. Okay, so you have the picture. This is these two guys. They're walking from Jerusalem to a city called Emmaus. It's about seven miles away. So if you think about how long would it take you to walk seven miles, let's just assume they're walking and talking slow. It's a couple hours. They're walking on this Sunday, what we call Resurrection Sunday and Easter, but not to them. They're just walking. And here comes this guy, enter Jesus. They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. Why? You know, I think this was an opportunity for a a real conversation, for them to be real without knowing who they were talking to. And then Jesus Jesus asked them this, verse 17. What are are you discussing together as as you walk along? What are you talking about? Then notice their countenance. Notice the detail here. It says, they stood still. Their faces downcast, and one of them named Cleopas says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that happened here in these days? You see their body language? I mean, they're, they're down. Their shoulders are slumped. Their faces are downcast. They are disappointed. They are disillusioned. They are depleted. You see it in their face. You hear it in their tone. I mean, what about... What about you? Do, you? do you do you wear your feelings on your sleeve? I mean, if, if you're feeling down, everybody knows it? Or are you more the kind of kind, the type that tries to hide it and, and bury it so people don't see? Luke continues telling the story. He says that, that Jesus, Jesus says, what things, verse 19, what things? <laughs> and, and, and they respond, about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a, a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. He, he's a prophet. He, he's, he's powerful. His teachings, his healings, his, his actions. Man, you had to see this guy. The chief priest, verse 20, and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Now, remember the narrative. Jesus is arrested. He's tried. He's, he's beaten. And, and then... He's put on a a Roman cross on a Friday. He is crucified, and he dies on that Roman cross. And they take him off, and they they bury him. Now look, here's the key line. Verse 21. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We, We were hoping. We had hope. We had put our hope in. We thought... I mean, I mean, we thought he was the one. We, I mean, we really did. We thought he was the one. We had left everything to follow him. We, we really thought he was the promised Messiah. But now it's Sunday morning and he's dead. They killed him. I mean, where have your plans gone off the rails? I mean, what, what are your unmet like, I expected this, but, but, it, but it's not. I mean, Greg, this is not what I thought. I mean, Greg, this is, this is not the plan. Greg, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not what I thought. And these two guys continue. They said, and what is more, it's the third day since it all took place. In addition, some of our women amaze us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find a body. They came and they told us what they had seen, a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. 
You feel the emotion here from these guys? I mean, these guys are disappointed. They're disillusioned. They're downcast. They're like, this is not the plan. This is not what we had hoped. We had set everything aside. And, and now, add to all of that disappointment, confusion. It's a terrible cocktail. I mean, what's going on? What's real? What's not? I don't even know anymore. It's just so overwhelming. I mean, you, you ever been so, like, discouraged or so overwhelmed that you're just kind of looking for an escape? Now, obviously, this, this is a, can be a deep, serious, dangerous conversation. But, but you kind of see the idea with these guys. It's like, it's so overwhelming that, that I'm so discouraged, and now I'm hearing all this crazy stuff about he's not there. And so I'm just going for a walk. And so they go on a seven-mile, two-hour walk. It's too much. Let's just go on a walk. I've done that, right? The kids are so, like, I just got to walk around the block. And finally, Luke tells us in the story that Jesus responds. Verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe that all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Look at this, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, he, what, what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. I would love to be a fly on the wall here, okay? This is a seven-mile walk. So they've got a couple hours, and, you know, they could walk slow. It could be over two hours. And so here's Jesus, and he's talking to these guys. He goes, guys, in the beginning, God created. But, but, but sin came in, and, and, and because of sin, mankind, humankind, women, and men are separated from God, and now there's so much pain and evil and brokenness. But guys, that is not okay with God. It's not okay. In fact, it breaks his heart. So he has a plan. He can't leave it that way. He has a plan to restore. He has a plan to redeem. He has a plan to, to reconnect, to, 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 uh, to bridge the separation. And guys, everything in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, Moses and the Passover and the tabernacle and all the prophets and all the prophecy and all the Paul, everything there, guys, it, everything is pointing to the coming of the Messiah. It's pointing toward this guy named Jesus. He is the one. He is the one who, who is going to make it right. He's the one that's going to restore. He's the one that's going to reconnect. He's the one that's going to unseparate. Guys, everything is pointing to Jesus. All of that stuff, all those stories, all the prophecy, all the poem, it's pointing to Jesus, and that's the good news. And friends, you got to hear, through faith, through trust, through, through faith in him, through faith in Jesus, you can know him. John wrote it this way. He says, yes, God loved the world so much that he gave his, one, his, his only son, Jesus, so that everyone who believes in him will not be lost but have eternal life. God sent Jesus into the world not, not to judge the world guilty, but to save the world through him. And so Jesus is walking with these guys, and he is just giving them the good news. He's telling them the good news, the gospel of Jesus. Look at what Luke says, verse 28. It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going to go further. I'm going to keep going. But they urged him, hey, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. So he goes in. Now, pay attention here. 
Because this is, this is my prayer. This is my, or my hope. This is my, my, my desire for you and for me. I want what happened to these two guys. At the end of this journey, at the end of this conversation, I want this to happen to you. I want this to happen to me. Look what Luke says. So they go in, in verse 30, he says, They, they sat at the table, and Jesus took bread, and he gave thanks, and he broke it, and he began to give it to them. And bread, he gave thanks, he prayed. It was, there was something about the way that he prayed, something about the way that he talked to his heavenly Father. You know, we, we talk about this every week here when we do communion, right? That his body is broken for you. And then look what happens. It says, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he disappeared from their sight. God opened their eyes. Their eyes were opened. He breaks the bread. He prays his prayer. And, and their eyes are open. Oh, I pray that God will open my eyes. I pray, God, that we'll open your eyes. See, today, you, you just don't see clearly. Right? You, have a, you have a partial view. You can't see the full picture. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he described it this way in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. He says, he says now we see only a dim likeness of things. It's as if we're, we're seeing things in a foggy mirror. But someday we will see clearly. We will see face to face. What I know now is not complete, but someday I will know completely just as God knows me completely. So you had hope. Why is it not going according to your plan? Paul says, look, it's like looking into a foggy mirror, a distorted picture, a distorted view. He, he says, you just can't see it, full picture. But Paul says, hey, take heart. Don't lose hope. Someday, one day, you will see clearly. So Jesus prays, he breaks bread, and Luke says, their eyes are open, and they recognized him. Like, their eyes were open, and then I love what they say to each other, 32, they, they ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we talk, while he talked with us on the road, and he opened up the scriptures to us? I mean, what, was not something, like, did you feel that? Like, something was burning inside of us. Like, I can't fully explain it. But there was just something inside of me that was stirring, something that was longing. I, I like the way that Solomon says it in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. He, he says it this way. He says, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work. Right, the, it, it's eternity. That this idea of the longing for God—it's planted in your heart. You can't understand it all. You can't see it all. It's too big. It's too vast. We can't comprehend it all. We can't understand it all. It's just a lot too much. It's too big. But in your heart, in my heart, is this this desire, this this burning, this longing to know Him, to know. Jesus, and they're like, we're not our hearts burning. I mean, while he was talking and telling us this, was not something burning inside of us? And then I love their response, verse 33. It says, they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. So they got up. They had walked slowly for seven miles one direction because they needed to escape. But now they get up and there's this passion and there's this urgency. And they run to Jerusalem seven miles in reverse. And it tells us there that they found the 11 and, the, and those with them assembled together. And they said, it's true. Jesus has risen and appeared to us. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them when he broke the bread. And they just couldn't stop talking about it. 
I mean, this encounter was so real and it, it changed their lives and their faith, their hope was alive. See, friends, it, it's easy to become discouraged and disappointed and depleted. When things don't go like we think, discouragement comes. It comes from unmet expectations. You know, well, I had thought or I had hoped or, or I had a plan. See, my plan, my idea, my dream, my hope for my precious little son. And when things don't go as planned, oh, we get angry and we get disillusioned and we get disappointed and we get discouraged and we get down and our shoulders can slump. But what if, what if we don't see the full picture? I mean, what if we only actually have a partial view? It's like looking into a, a fuzzy mirror. It's a distorted view. See, we had hoped. We had hoped. I had hoped. But what if your story's not over? I mean, what if God is writing a different story right now? I mean, you don't see clearly. You don't have the, the full picture. You can't fully comprehend or understand. But, but through faith, can you believe? Can you trust that God is moving, that God is at work, that God is writing a story. Oh, I pray that your eyes will be opened. I pray your heart will burn within you. I pray that you will be overcome by the presence of God which is broken for you. I pray that you'll run toward the story he is writing and that you'll get to the place where you can't stop talking about him. I mean, as I stand here today, 12 years later, I don't know why that precious little baby didn't make it. I can't answer your question. I don't have a slick answer. I don't have some quote that we can put on an Instagram graphic. All I know is I have a deep belief and a profound faith that God is alive. And if Jesus is alive, hope is alive. And there is hope available for you and for me. Today, God, I thank you for each person right now that's listening to my voice. God, and for all of us, there are disappointments. There are discouragement. There, there, there's disillusionment. God, there are things that we thought, that we had hoped, that we planned for, and things are just not going that way. I mean, let's just face it. Life is hard. Life does not go like we want it to go. God, that, it's just life. But God, in the midst of all of that, I believe to the core of my being that you are writing a story. You are at work. God, you are pursuing us. You are inviting us in to your upper story, to your story. And God, we, we can't see it. We can't fully comprehend it. God, but there is hope. I pray that each person that's listening to my voice right now, God, whatever their circumstances, whatever their disappointment, whatever their discouragement, God, that they would just reach to you right now. There's hope because of you. And so, God, I thank you for Jesus and that you sent him to, to, give, his, to give his life for me and for us so that we could be in this right, authentic, intimate, loving relationship with you. And I can pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.